Morning. How you all doing? We are in week number two uh, in our new series entitled Reset, an Invitation to Transformation. Uh, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul is serious and strong. He's going after the church in Galatia. He's going after us and challenging us. It's time to hit the reset button. Okay? Reset buttons, you know, they kind of clear everything, and now you're going to start new. Paul is challenging us. Maybe it's time to reconsider and rearrange our hearts, our minds, our priorities. Okay? Choose to live the way that God has designed us to live. That's the challenge that we're going to be examining in this series. Last week, we looked at God's perfect timing. God is always perfect in all of His timing in sending His Son Jesus to planet Earth to be born in a barn in Bethlehem. Why? So He could purchase us out of slavery to evil and sin and selfishness and as we're going to see today, bondage to the Old Testament law. Okay? God has a plan and a purpose for everyone here today. Did you know that? And he knows what he's doing, and his plan is perfect and precise and exact and accurate. And not only did he come to earth at exactly the right time, purchased us out of slavery and bondage to sin and evil and the law, he adopted us. Think with me. He adopted us into his royal family. He sealed us with the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of Jesus, Paul says in Galatians, and then he's guaranteed an inheritance that is awesome. Okay, So we have an awful lot to rejoice over that uh, the Lord has done in his perfect timing. This morning, we're going to see Paul's caring and soft heart. He's going he's to get strong today. He's going to say, Gentile Christians, don't lose don't destroy your freedom. If you keep heading down this road, you're going to lose what you've received from Jesus Christ. I'll show you in just a minute. But let's stand. Let's read out loud together. If you're able, would you stand? We're going to read verses 8 to 20. We've got a pretty long section. Dan will put it up here on the screen. Let's uh, declare God's Word together. Here we go. Before you Gentiles knew God... You were slave to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You're trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me 
or turned me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for inspiring Paul to write down his exact heart attitude toward the Christians in Galatia. So, thank you for that. Lord, help us to learn from it this morning. We're ready to hear. We're ready to understand. We're ready to apply what your inspired book has for us. I want to pause for a moment because I know there's lots of folks here in person. Lord, there's lots of folks watching online right now who are in a season of trouble and difficulty and pain. And Lord, I I pray that you might even today as we gather to worship, Lord, might you rain down your grace, your mercy, your love, your comfort on each one of them. And Lord, help us to notice one another who are hurting. Lord, help us to uh, go and care and love and do uh, what we're called to do as Christians, to love and bear each other's burdens. Lord, we love you. We're grateful we get to worship you now as we study your book Um, We're ready to hear from you. Might Jesus be praised and lifted high as we study together. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, Amen. You can be seated. I want to begin today talking about whales. We have a whale picture, Daniel, that we can put up there? Yeah. Whales um, are uh, one of the most impressive of God's creation. Um, Denise and I, we've been out in a boat, and we're out whale watching tour, and when they surface and jump, you realize, you know, if that whale was right here, he could crush this boat and capsize it easily, okay? Whales are creatures of enormous size and strength and majesty, and I'm telling you what, to watch them swim freely and jumping in the ocean, it's an experience I'll never forget. Um, But occasionally, whales get too near the shore, okay? Sometimes, whales, um, they, they get too near the shore and they get trapped, And because of their tremendous weight and bulk, it's nearly impossible for them to get back in the water 
once they're on the sand, okay? And lots of times you'll have teams of people who will gather around a beached whale. They're attempting them to keep, to keep them alive. They're, they're attempting to drag the whale back into the sea, back to freedom, back to life. Why am I talking about beached whales? Go back to the text with me. The Apostle Paul is urging and reminding the churches in Galatia, the church in Walloon, he says, when I first arrived in Galatia, you Gentile Christians were beached whales. You had no freedom. You were trapped on shore. You were about to die. That's where you were at. Look at verse 8 with me. You were like slaves to the so-called gods that do not exist. Okay? They were worshiping false gods made of stone and wood. So when Paul arrives in Galatia, they were just idol-worshiping uh, pagans, we would say. Okay? Until they met Jesus and heard the good news of the gospel from Paul and they turned from worshiping their idols and suddenly now they are worshiping Jesus Christ. Do you understand what's happened? They were worshiping idols and now... Uh, like trapped whales on the beach, suddenly now they're no longer trapped. Look at verse 9. Here's what Paul writes. He said, You found the one true God. Or better, God found you and now knows you. Okay? He, God, Jesus, knows us and Jesus finds us. Sometimes we think, well, I found Jesus. No, actually, Jesus found you and called you to himself. So the beached whale, track with me now, has now been set free in Jesus Christ. Okay, And now Galatian Christians, you've been swimming free in the ocean. Last part of verse 9, he asks them a question. Why do you want to go back and live on the sandbar again? Why, why do you want to return and lived as beached whales once again. You've been free. You've been swimming out in the ocean. You've been doing great. Why do you want to be enslaved to the weak and useless principles of this world? So, why would a whale that was beached, trapped, dying, why would a whale that knew freedom... Why would they want to go back to the sandbar of legalism one more time? Why, why would they be tempted to go back? Now, I did some reading about why whales get beached. Okay? Why do whales wind up on, on the sandbar, on the shore? First reason is something's chasing them. So you got smaller whales... Uh, and, and now usually it's a big old shark is chasing the whale. And in trying to get away from the shark, they wind up getting beached. Second major reason why whales get trapped is they get confused. Sometimes sonar in the area messes with them, shifting tides. Uh, what used to be clear is now a sandbar and they're not thinking clear and they wind up beaching themselves 
uh, on the shore. Okay? So Paul is asking the Galatian Gentile Christians, why would you give up your freedom in Jesus Christ? Why are you choosing to go back and live in spiritual bondage and chains? You've had liberty. Why are you doing this? Why are you following these false teachers and listening to them? Look at verse 10. You're trying to earn favor with God, getting brownie points, by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. Verse 11. I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work with you is for nothing. Verse 12. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become, like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Okay. Much like whales who are being chased and hunted, the false teachers, the sharks, if you will, are chasing the Gentile Christians. And they're chasing them to observe the Old Testament law. In order to be a spiritual, godly Christian, you need to observe special days. Give me your eyes. They're talking about the Sabbath. You need to worship on Saturday like we did in the Old Testament. Don't worship on Sunday, the Lord's Day, because of His resurrection. Go back to the Old Testament. Worship uh, like the Old Testament Jew. Observe the months. The Jewish calendar, the new moon Jewish calendar. Thirdly, you must observe seasons. To be a real Christian, you need to celebrate things like uh, the feast, the Passover, Pentecost, the Feast of Tabernacles. So you must observe days, months, seasons, and years. You need to observe the Sabbatic years. Every seventh year must be understood and, and, and honored, okay? All of these days, months, seasons, and years, track with me, point to Jesus. All of them. They all were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. The days, the months, the seasons, the years. Jesus fulfilled them all when He arrived on planet Earth. Jesus is the real thing that fills up the days, the months, the seasons, and the years. Let me illustrate, okay? Here is one of my favorite pictures of my girlfriend, okay? And I keep it on my desk, okay? And it's, uh, it's a representation, it's an image of my girlfriend, okay? My bride, Denise. And... Uh, Here's what I, I do. Every morning when I wake up, I go and find the picture and I say, good morning, Denise. And, and, and I, I've recently been putting it on the pillow on the bed and I keep it, you know, Denise is here and the, and the image is here and, and then I'm here, okay? And, and uh, it's kind of nice. At night, I say, good night, Denise. Good night, Denise. And you laugh and you say, you got troubles. <laughs> and Denise agrees. There's trouble in the house. Why? 
Because this is just the image. This is just the representative image of my bride. Why on earth would I do this when I can do this? Why on earth would you kiss an image and worship an image and be in bondage to a picture when you got the real thing? That's Paul's point here. The real thing has come. Jesus was born, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, shed His blood, took your place in the grave, arose from the dead, and now His Spirit is living in you, and you keep going and kissing the picture. He's here. The real thing has arrived. And these foolish Galatians are buying into the fact that they need to keep kissing the picture. The feasts, the festivals, the Sabbath point to the coming of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. You don't need to kiss the picture anymore. Why? Because Jesus has come, live in freedom. Live in freedom. The Gentiles in the Galatian church were like the whales. Paul found them on the sandbar of worshiping idols, dead, lifeless. Now they've come to faith in Christ. They've lived free because of Jesus and His shed blood and the empty tomb and the Spirit has come into their life. They're swimming in open water, enjoying freedom. And now... They're considering beaching themselves one time more. Not, not worshiping idols, but now they're going to go be on the sandbar of legalism. Rules. Man-made rules and systems that pointed to the picture that has already come. Paul says, I'm, I'm going to talk to you about our friendship. How did I, how did I come into your life? Here's what it says, verse 12, look at it. You, you didn't mistreat me when I first preached this to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you didn't despise me or turn me away. You took me in, you cared for me, as though I was an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful spirit grateful spirit you felt then i'm sure you would have taken out one of your own eyes and given them to me them to me if it had been possible have i become your enemy because i'm telling you truth when paul first came to galatia he was sick now there's lots of ideas lots of theories what was paul's sickness some people think maybe it was malaria others uh, think perhaps it was epilepsy. Others say, no, I think it was migraine headaches. I'm not sure where they got that. Um, I would suggest to you, it makes sense to me, maybe he had eye trouble. Because it says right here, you would have taken out one of your own eyes and given them to me if you could. Or slide down to chapter 6 and verse 11. It says, notice what large letters I use as I write, indicating maybe there's some eye trouble there. 
The truth is, whatever Paul's thorn in the flesh was, he's reminding the Galatian Gentile church, hey, when I was there with you, you were kind to me. You were caring. You were supportive. You took really good care of me. It was as though I were an angel or maybe Jesus Christ Himself. You welcomed me as a friend. You accepted my struggles, my weakness. You didn't reject me. You accepted my message with joy and gladness. And you received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You were set free. Verse 16. So why are you now treating me as though I'm an enemy? Why are you resisting the truth that I'm bringing to you? Why are you losing sight of Jesus and replacing Him with man-made rules and regulations? Okay. Now Paul is going to get a little strong. He's going to take aim at the bad guys, the sharks. They were false teachers, it says, living in Galatia, trying to win them over, trying to beach them on the sandbar of legalism like sharks trying to devour them, confusing them with the sonar of rules and the shifting tides of regulations. Uh, Verse 17, here we go. Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you'll pay attention only to them. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right. But let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. Paul uh, is explaining the false teachers are trying to butter you up. They are eager, they are zealous. The Greek word there for eager, zealous, uh, is used of a man courting a woman. Okay, When you're courting a woman, you go the extra mile. You open the door. You're, you're polite. You look up. That's the, the idea here. The Galatian church is being courted by sharks, by false teachers. Paul explains they're attempting to shut you off from me. They're trying to lock me out of your life. These false suitors are actually trying to steal your freedom. They're trying to take away your... They're dragging you on to the beach of rules and laws and regulations. And here's what Paul says. You're in danger of losing your freedom. Okay, You're about... You've enjoyed freedom in Christ and now they are endangering your freedom. They're being zealous. They're sold out. They're all in. But they don't want to hear truth. Here's what they want you to do. Just keep kissing the picture and avoid Jesus who's with you. It doesn't make sense, Paul argues. Now here's the question. Why would they be tempted to go back on the sandbar? Why on earth would the Galatian Gentile Christians be tempted to follow the festivals, the moons, the Sabbaths, the years. What is it about legalism that is tempting to them, okay, and to us, Myron? That's a question. Why is legalism 
a temptation for them. Why is legalism and rules and man-made laws, why is that a draw for us today, 2023? I'm going to give you five reasons. You might want to write these down, okay? Because I'm telling you, we're still tempted to go beach ourselves, give up freedom in Christ, and go live in the land of rules and laws and man-made systems. Okay? Five ways. And, and can I tell you? It's pretty subtle. Oftentimes is. Uh, here's the first reason. Um, legalism is tempting because if you're a good rule keeper, and some of us here, we're pretty good at keeping rules and man-made laws. If you're good at doing the good stuff, and you're pretty good at avoiding doing the bad stuff, it's an appeal to pride. It makes me feel good and spiritual, and it makes me look religious. You look at me and you go, wow, he's really good at keeping all the rules. There's a feeling of superiority. I'm better than you because I'm a good rule keeper. That's the appeal because it puffs me up and I, and I can keep rules and I keep them better than you do. Listen close. Spiritual is being full of the Holy Spirit. has nothing to do with rules and laws and regulations. Being spiritual is allowing Jesus to daily take charge of your life through His Spirit in us. So, being a good rule keeper is nothing more than being a good Pharisee. Being spiritual is being filled with Jesus. See the difference? Okay. Uh, that's the first reason, because it makes me feel superior. Uh, second appeal of legalism, it's an easy place to throw stones from. When, when, when I am all about rules and man-made laws and regulations... I'm careful to keep my rules, okay? I, I'm, I'm careful to make sure that I'm watching out for my regulations and the things that I care about. Uh, but please know this. Are you ready? Chad, I'm watching you too. <laughs> and, and I got my eye on you. And here's what God's book says. I'm really seeing more clearly the speck in Chad's eye than I do the canoe in my own eye. But, but I really, but you got to watch that shed. You got to watch out. Uh, and, and I'm all about looking at you. And if you aren't keeping my rules and my personal convictions, I probably will throw some legalistic rocks at you. Okay? It's tempting to judge others when you're all about rules and laws and regulations. Uh, third temptation of legalism. Are you ready for this one? It's easy. It's comfortable. Because you don't have to think. You, you just follow the rules. You, you don't have to walk with Christ. You don't have to daily abide in koinonia with Jesus. Just follow the man-made rules. Trust the system and you're good. Uh, I have a friend who came out of a system, um, and, and I, they just shared honestly, 
I sometimes miss just following the rules. Sometimes I, I just miss living in that system. It's kind of like a rocking chair, they explain. It's easy, it's predictable, I don't have to think. I'm actually told, don't think, just obey the rules, the regulations, follow the system, and that way then I don't have to daily walk with Jesus and abide with Him. It's actually easier many ways. And, and it's like the old rocking chair. Just, just sit there and rock and follow the system and you'll be fine. Fourth appeal of legalism. And this is a subtle one, okay? There's a, there's a bargain that we get going in our heads with God. Are you ready for this? I mean, here's, it's usually unspoken, but I, I got to admit, this bargain uh, is something that sometimes I struggle with. Hey, Lord, I'm yours. I'm, I'm one of your children. I'll do my part. I'll serve. I'll give. I'll read your word. I'll pray. I'll, I'll, I'll do all my stuff. And then the bargain is, and God, you do your part. You keep me safe from all the bad stuff. Okay? I'll do my part. I'm all in. But now you keep me from cancer or car wrecks or prodigal kids or bankruptcy or any bad stuff. Okay? So do you see what's going on? Now, now I got this bargain going on with the Lord and, and I'll do my stuff, but then you do yours and make sure nothing really bad happens to me. And that works pretty well until the first, second, third, or fourth eye surgery. Works pretty good until the triple bypass surgery. It works pretty good until, in Paul's case, when he pleaded with the Lord three times, Lord, please remove this thorn in my flesh. And the Lord says, My grace is all you need, Paul. My power works best in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12 9. Grace plus anything, is no longer grace. Grace plus anything, pick your rule, your law, your regulation, your man-made system, grace plus anything is no longer grace. Fifth temptation of legalism, rules, laws, man-made systems, my pride feels like I should contribute and add to my salvation. There's something in us, we want to help Jesus. I, I know you did it on the cross, but I, I, I really feel like I want to help uh, to accept that it's all Jesus and I contribute none of, none of, nothing, not, not one little thing that's humbling and my pride doesn't like to be humbled. It's like, think about this. Somebody takes you out to a nice restaurant. Okay? And now you're enjoying and now you feel a little odd because you don't want to order the most expensive thing. So you're looking for something, you know, trying to get a read. And now, um, as a man, you're going, oh man, this is a little awkward, but okay. You understand what I'm talking about, Chad? And, and, and then... Uh, the check comes, and I tell you what, as a man, guess what we want to do? Myron, what do we want to do? 
I'll catch the tip. Uh, you, thank you for the great meal. It was wonderful. I'll catch the tip. Why? Because I don't want to take the gift. I want to contribute something. I, I want to I add to it. And I'm telling you, in salvation, when we go trying to add something, we've just erased the grace. You understand? We want to add something. Legalism allows me to add what Jesus did for me on the cross in the empty tomb. And I'm telling you what, my pride, my ego kind of enjoys helping Jesus with my salvation. Because I'm doing stuff, now I get extra brownie points, now you like me extra good, because look what I did. So many Christians today buy in to the legalism trap. There's my hand. Follow the rules, do all the religious stuff, check the boxes, and then you'll be spiritual. Then... I'm, we're saved alone by faith alone. Um, we agree with that. Now get busy and work and follow the system. So we come to faith by Christ alone, by faith alone. And now we say, get busy, work, follow the rules. Do it, do it according to the system. And then Jesus will accept you and we'll accept each other. We buy the lie that if I'm not perfect, then Jesus must not love me. Okay? If I can't behave better, God won't accept me. If anybody in my church, by the way, isn't following my rules, I'm watching you and I got my rock and I'm looking for the specs where you differ from me and my convictions. I'm telling you, there's a part of us, we, we kind of like that thinking. And if you don't live up to my expectations, I may not like you, you may not like me, and I'm telling you, a lot of church struggles, it's all about rules, regulations. I got these laws, these are my convictions. Do you know how many people I know that have stopped going to church because of, of these sort of I'm at you, you're at me, we don't like each other. You're, we're not living in freedom in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, people quit pursuing a relationship with Christ because they think they're not good enough. When there's nothing you or I could do to make Jesus love us more. How about that? Galatians 4.15 Is it possible that the joy and the gratitude and the grateful spirit that Jesus gave you when he saved you, is that still true in your life? Maybe we're trying so hard, trying to be good, trying to look good in our own strength. And I've got these super high expectations and standards for me and for you. And Paul's saying, I'm telling you, that sandbar of legalism It'll suck the joy out of you. Stay off the sandbar. You don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus says, I accept you right where you're at, and my spirit and my book will help you become more and more like me. We have a sign message up on uh, the church sign. Chris put it up there. Here's what it said. Imperfect people welcome 
you'll be in good company. Nobody's laughing. Imperfect people, welcome. You'll be in good company. That, that should be, wow, amen. <laughs> because I'm one of them. We all are. I'm telling you, Jesus is the one that does the work. Jesus, that daily relationship with Christ, is where freedom is found. So, don't miss this, okay? Stern warning from Paul. You've been freed from the sandbar of legalism. Okay? We are free. Live free. Live free in Christ. Don't listen to the sharks who are chasing you, trying to confuse you, trying to get you live in rules and regulations and laws, man-made stuff. Live in the freedom of Jesus and His Gospel. Last thought. Grace plus anything is no longer grace. Say it with me. Grace plus is no longer grace. It isn't. Live free. Live free, church at Walloon. Live free. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for rescuing us from rules and laws and regulations. Even though the Old Testament was perfect, it all pointed to Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Lord, You've already come. And thank You for saving us by faith. Thank You uh, for being our Lord and our King. And Lord, would You help us to resist the urge to add to Your saving grace. Free us from the shackles of legalism in all of its forms. Show us. Lord, Satan <laughs> is, is the enemy and he'll do all that he can to keep us handcuffed to anything but Christ alone. And if you're watching online, if you're here in person, final question. Have you accepted the freedom and the new life that Jesus offers? Have you invited Jesus into your life by faith? He's willing to set you free from slavery to sin and rules and Satan. He's really ready right now to adopt you into His royal family, make you His heir. Will you say yes today by faith? And if you're ready, if you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We've got some folks who would love to chat with you. If you're here in person, Come see me afterwards. I'd love to celebrate with you and get you going on your journey with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for uh, coming to earth, the second person of the Trinity, living a sinless life. Thank you for taking our place on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood for our sin problem. Thank you for uh, uh, taking our place in the tomb and we celebrate that you're alive. And by faith right now, we can welcome you in. Set us free. We love you, Jesus. You changed everything. Help us to live changed and free lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. Stand with me.